This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Revolution Church Minneapolis. Uh, we're into February right now. Um, I think we might have started maybe 30 seconds to a minute earlier than we usually do, but hey, you know, that's cool. Um, sorry if you hear the jet in the background. Apparently, uh, I didn't know when we moved here that, uh, there's a small airport, you know, a mile or two away from us, like a more business only, um, business only airport. So if you, you hear a jet in the background, then you know what's going on. Um, as I always joke, um, here on the live stream about the weather in Minnesota and, how cold it is and anybody who knows Minnesotans, we always complain about the weather. We're never happy. It's either too hot, it's too cold, it's too cloudy, it's too sunny. Blah, 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 blah. We do that. But you know what? I think we win for complaining this week because when uh, I woke up today and looked at my phone and looked at the weather, um, it was negative 14. You, you heard that. 14 degrees below the zero mark. Um, that's if I'm not mistaken, about 45 degrees colder than what the freezing point is. So it is chilly, chilly, chilly. chilly. Well, I, I'm not going to say chilly. It's downright cold. Um, cold here. Sorry, my cat was jumping up on, on the table. Um, if you saw the thing move a little bit. Um, my cat's kind of enthralled with what all these cords are. Here, anybody who has a cat probably knows what I'm talking about. Um, anyway, uh, just kind of some stuff that's, and he's, can you, can you just take him, please? He's, uh, trying to be a little, little terror. See, and that's the thing cats don't know, or dogs, or any animals when you're doing stuff live. Um, anyway, yeah, since last week, got a haircut. Uh, got a new coat. Uh, I got a tattoo on Friday, and my tattoo parlor it got these coats made up. And as you see, Acme Tattoo is where I always go. Uh, yeah, and I I've probably spent a small fortune there over the years. So they decided to give me a coat, and uh, they didn't need to, but it's you know representing them. So. If you ever are in the Twin Cities metro area, go to Acme Tattoo. Uh, Gabe and Chris are the tattoo artists, and they're really, really sweet dudes. Really, really good guys. Um, so, yeah, representing that today, I was telling Amanda I kind of feel 80s here. I'm an 80s baby, but, you know, uh, jean jackets have never really went out of style. So, you know, I got I to gotta represent that from from uh, being an 80s kid. Um uh, just kind of like a housekeeping thing I want to say is, um, if anybody has looked on our Facebook page uh, that I, about a week or two ago, I had asked if anybody wants to get together for, um, uh, get together if you're here in the Twin Cities and we have the, a tentative date for that. I know people who aren't, um, in the Twin Cities, you get to miss out on that. I'm sorry. Um, but we're going to meet at someone who, who's part of the Revolution Church community, uh, Rachel, um, 
she lives in South Minneapolis. We're going to do a social distance gathering. You know, we ask you um, if you're in the house to wear a mask. Um, but uh, some invites are going to happen probably either today or tomorrow. And we're just going to have, you know, a time to just get together since we're not in a physical location and we're all online. And we just like to have a place where people can just have that community and meet face to face. Um, so we're doing that. The tentative date is February 28th. Um, it's a Sunday afternoon. So I'm going to be live streaming revolution from my place. Um, and then at two, around 2 PM, we're going to head over to her place and we're just going to have some appetizers, finger food, and then we're going to have, um, some drinks, you know, and just, just a time for community, you know, a time to see people who are part of this revolution community here locally and seeing if they want to reach out and get together. So, and we're going to do, we're going to try to do that once every couple months. So this is for, you know, February and we'll probably do another one in April or May when the weather um, gets a lot nicer out. Um, I, Oh, I guess uh, I forgot to say it's the Super Bowl today on February 7th. So uh, I know some people who are watching are uh, in the Kansas city area. So go chiefs. Um, I also know probably some people who watch it are from Tampa Bay. So go Tampa Bay. So wherever, you know, whoever you want to win, uh, it's going to be a fun game. Uh, I know we're, um, we're going to have our neighbors cause we're almost kind of like a pod with them and we're going to have some, some good time hanging out with the kiddos and watching the game. So that's all happening, um, today. And, uh, yeah. So I'm jumping out of Matthew. Um, I was kind of just looking and I, I love the book of Matthew, but you know, some of it's, we've already went through. You know, I feel like the really important stuff that I wanted to get out of that, I got out of that. Um, not saying we can't ever go back and revisit that. Uh, we definitely can. Um, but just kind of reflecting on what I could, you know, choose or wh- where I could, you know, go into. Um, the book of James kind of just jumped out to me. I should say the epistle of James um, kind of just jumped out. It's a short and sweet book, but there's a lot of good good advice in there, a lot of good um, good nuggets of truth in there. So we're going to just dive into that. Um, and please, whoever watches this, um, listens to it, we have the Revolution page, or send me a direct message or whatever. If there's a theme or a story, something in that you want me to you know tackle or discuss, because this isn't just me up here every Sunday doing this. It, it is, but it's the community of what you want to hear, you know, if there's a topic, whether it's politically or, 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 um, like a story in the Bible or just an, an issue or whatever, um, just something that you want me to, you know, tackle, I'll do it to the best of my abilities and might not be that next week, but it could be, you know, a couple weeks, um, down the line or a couple months down the line, but please let me know, uh, what you want me to cover and I'll do my best to do it. So, going to jump into the book of James, uh, and I'm going to read James chapter 1, uh, verses 26 through 27. Um, and I labeled this talk, I never like calling them sermons, uh, talk, sermon, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I labeled it widow, orphan, and the poor. So verse 26 says, if anyone thinks he or she is religious and does not brittle his tongue or her tongue, but deceives their heart, 
this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to is to is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. It's a little I don't know, a little heady somewhat, <clears throat> but there's that's just one portion of the widows, the orphans, and the poor. And during during the research and and prep for this talk today, I found it quite interesting. And and like I've said before in weeks past, that the more you see in repetition in something, and that's in anything, in, in a movie, in music, uh, anything in literature, because people forget, like, you know, whatever you view the Bible as the holy word and the inerrant infallible, the Bible is still a piece of literature, um, the way it was written, the themes that are in it. But any, and, and I've said this in weeks past, and it's true again to this, that uh, repetition, if somebody says something, uh, a phrase, a, a theme throughout one book of the Bible or throughout the repetition, if they're just trying to nail that home. They're trying to nail this, this idea. They're trying to nail down this, um, this point. And, and looking at the widow, the orphan, the poor, uh, if there's if that happens, that comes up over 24 times in the New Testament. 24 times taking care of the widow, the orphan, and the poor. It's not just Jesus talking about it. it could be the gospel writers in, in the four gospels. Paul's talked about it. Peter talks about it. All throughout the New Testament, we see take care of the widow, take care of the orphan, and take care of the poor. And so that is that is a huge thing that we as Christians and and huge people uh huge people uh huge thing even if you're not religious, this mandate is in here, and I do call it a mandate because it's one thing if it says like once in in the scripture or once in the in any any text you read, oh yeah, maybe I should do that, but when it comes up twenty four times that's quite a bit. I think that that is a good enough uh, a good enough thing to be like, hey, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should look into this. Maybe this theme of taking care of the widow, the orphan, and the poor is something that I should really do. The question I have for you is: If Scripture talks so much about taking care of the widow and the orphan and the poor, why do we fail so much at it? And this isn't me pointing fingers at anybody watching or anybody listening. It's pointing a finger back at me. And I tell people all the time, when I give a talk, a sermon, whatever it is, um, I always have to put myself into it, into it because pastors, people, pastors, priests, missionaries, whoever, people who are of faith, if I, I, I have literally zero respect if those pastors and those people don't put themselves into it because, yes, we have, might have went to school to get degrees. Yes, we might be talented at, at what to do to do these things, whatever it may be. But we're never above reproach. We're always having to look at ourselves when we come up into a sermon. Um, that that we we need to to kind of what's that phrase? We need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. And I do that all the time. So when I come up with this sermon, when I was coming up with this talk today, I was like, man, this is giving me a gut check. This is hitting me 
you know, in, in the heart and in, in my soul of like, man, I, I need to do this. And yes, you know, we, as humans, as I brought up last week, you know, I, I hate the word sin and not what, just because I feel like so much in the church people have, you know, damned people for whatever thing. But like I said, sin is literally missing the mark. It's, it's literally translated, um, from the Hebrew into missing the mark. And, and so when we fail to take care of the widow, the orphan and the poor, we're missing the mark. We're just, we're missing the mark at who we should be, uh, as a, as a person, as a Christian. And even if you're not a, uh, and like I said, the stuff about scripture is, is this doesn't necessarily apply to Christians. Yes, it applies to Christians, but taking care of the widow, the orphan and the poor, you obviously do not have to be of any faith to realize like, Hey, maybe I should do this. And so, for instance, um, as I've said, we live in St. Paul. We live in a in a community in the neighborhood called Dayton's Bluff. And Dayton's Bluff, um, there's some crime that happens. There's not a, a lot of it. It might just be like little, uh, not little, but, you know, carjackings or people breaking and stuff. We've lived where we're at for about three years now. Um, we love it. Nothing's really happened to, to uh, well, nothing, not really, but nothing's happened to our car. But where we're about a block or two away um from us uh there used to be this huge homeless encampment and when i say huge um it's it was 30 or 40 tents long i mean people made it like a little like tent village and it was all homeless people um you know their tents they had bonfires back there somebody donated a couch uh, you know, shopping carts after shopping carts that people have taken and, and whatever. And so I'm not in suburbia. I'm not in small town. I'm not in, you know, and homeless people can live in those places too. But every day I, I drove past, you know, whether I had my, you know, 16 year old Saturn car or our, or, or a Toyota that we have our RAV4, I, there was this, almost this sense of superiority that I had, which is wrong, where I was getting off work, which I was happy that I have a job, I was coming back, and I was sitting at this light to take a left down to the road that we live on, and you just see these, you know, tent after tent after tent after tent of people who are living in there. And anybody who knows Minnesota is our weather can change at the drop of a hat. One day it could be 60 degrees, sunny, you know, cool breeze, and then the next day it could drop down to 30 degrees and start snowing. I mean, that's the kind of weird weather we can have in Minnesota. It's not as bad, uh, that, but the thing that bothered me is our city. Uh, this was maybe a week or two after Christmas literally came in and kicked all the people out. They tore down all the, uh, tore down all of their, um, tents and like a tent city, whatever you call it. And it, you know, threw all the, all their stuff away and like then, and they had a whole bunch of trees there, you know, cause it's like, it was a kind of wooded area and it cut down all the trees. And so now you go there and it's just, there's, you cannot even see that there's no remnant of anybody that had lived there, any homeless people. And you might be like, well, what's the, you know, the city needed to do that. It's, you know, it's cleaning up the city, you know, property, you know, people's housing properties going down because of this da, 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 da. And I'm not, I, I'm not here to point fingers at, at what is right, what is wrong. 
but my conviction is what are we as the church? What are we as a community doing? And maybe, maybe, um, and look at this in your own, in your own city, your own town, wherever you live. Uh, there's, there's homeless people everywhere. Okay. And I'm not just looking at homeless people as poor and I'll get into that, but this is just specifically speaking in, in, in my community where I'm at. But, you know, what did we, you know, there's some people in the community, you know, through social media, we, um, there's like this app called the next door app where people were connecting and be like, Oh, we're going to, you know, drop off this food. We have some non-perishables. We have a loaf of bread, but whatever. But, you know, and there was talk that the city was going to, uh, you know, maybe put them in, in, in a hotel or do whatever. All that being said is it was very quiet in the Twin Cities when all this was going on of what churches were doing. And I'm not just talking about uh, evangelical churches. I'm talking about mainline progressive churches, you know, the UCC Presbyterians, uh, Lutheran, like ELCA Lutherans. I'm talking about Pentecostals and Baptists. It was quiet. No one did anything about it. And this wasn't just the only homeless encampment in, in the cities. They're all over. They spring up all over the place. And the thing, one thing I've told Amanda, one thing I've told, you know, close family and friends is that one thing that bothers me to no end, and I fail at this too. So I'm, like I said, I'm, uh, I'll raise my hand to say I fail at this too is I hate reading scripture. I hate hearing, I shouldn't say I hate reading scripture. I love reading scripture, but I hate when I read it that it's these clear things like we should do this. If you are a Christian or if you're a person of faith or if you're, you know, like-minded like this, you should do this. And then when push comes to shove, we just fail at it. We don't do anything. We come up with an excuse. Oh, uh, I have no money to help this cause or, uh, you know, I'm barely making it and holding, holding by and, and, those are all somewhat valid excuses, but at the other time, it's kind of like, those are BS excuses, let's be honest. Like, I have, I have the luxury of, of, of having two cars. And you know, we're selling one of them because we want to go down to one, but I read a statistic not too long ago that if you have a car, a car, doesn't matter how good of a car it is, but if you have a car, you're better than 98% of the world. 98% of the world. If you have a car. And then extrapolate that by an apartment or a house or, or wherever you live. You're doing so much better than so many other people in the world. And when it says to take care of the widow, the orphan, and the poor, let me throw this at you too. It's not just giving them money when they ask. It's not just, you know, being like, Hey, you know what? I have an extra $20 this week or this month. So I'm just going to give it to a homeless person on the corner or I'm going to, you know, uh, give it into my, you know, tie that church and then they can do with it what they want. I'm not saying necessarily those things are bad to do that. What I'm saying is if we are the church, the church isn't a building. The church isn't First Baptist of wherever or blah, 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 Assembly of God or whatever church it is. The church is us. The church is the people. And I think we fail, we fail at that. We fail to realize that the church is not the building. The church is all of us. We make up the church and whatever the church is. 
this is church. We don't have a building, but this is church. This is a community uh, of people who are like-minded and maybe not like-minded. But my, as I said, it, with the question is, why do we do so bad at at doing this? Why are we so bad at taking care of the widow and the orphan and the poor? Is it because we're scared? Is it because we don't get a pat on the back when we do it? Because let's be honest, like, when someone donates food or or gives gives you know five dollars to the homeless person, subconsciously, like in her head, we're like, oh man, yeah, I I did a good deed. I uh, you know, I got a little feather in my cap today. You might not say it to anybody, but you're probably thinking it to yourself, like, hey, yeah, I I I did a good thing. I know sometimes I fall into that. I know sometimes I'm like, oh, I just gave a you know my loose change to the to this person on the street. And we need to get out of that mentality of like we're better than we 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 don't purposely do it, but it you know it kind of comes out as that of like uh, of of this like look at I did this good deed I did this good deed, but I think we fail at and I think one of the reasons we fail as the church on taking care of the widow the orphan and the poor is a lot of us will be like, well, I don't know what I can do on my my own to do it. Um, so I'm going to, as a member of my church, as a member of my church community, I'm going to let them, I'm going to give my money to them. I'll talk to the pastor. I'll talk to the leadership and, and let them do something with that. And so you give your money to that and the church might do something. And it's like, Maybe it's good. Maybe it's not good. I and I'll just tell us the UCC church that I'm a part of. Every every year they um they team up team up with uh, Habitat for Humanity, which we all know what Habitat for Humanity is. And they for two weeks, there's people at our church that sign up that um will go and and help build this house for someone in need. And, and you know, usually how it goes is you build the house. You, you know, whatever your talent are. And then at the end of this build, you know, Habitat for Humanity gives, gives this family who probably had to sign up or whatever. They give them this house. So yeah, that's great. We're taking care of our neighbor. We're taking care of the, the less fortunate. I know a lot of churches help out in soup kitchens and, and help out to people who are less fortunate. And I'm not for a single minute saying that that's wrong, but what I'm saying is what are we individually ourselves doing, not with the help of our church, but what are, what are we doing ourselves um, in order for that to happen? I don't have to go to my church. I don't have to uh, get permission from the city. I don't have to do any of this stuff to take care of my neighbor. Meaning if I see my neighbor on the corner, it's not wrong for me to go up to them and be like, Hey, I see you're asking for money. What do you need? I'm not saying you necessarily pick them up. You don't know if someone has a gun or a knife and you, you know, you need protection yourself. You need to protect yourself and your family, but we don't need. I think the, the mentality that Jesus is talking about is like, if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a person of faith, but you don't take care of the orphan, the widow, the poor, in essence, you can't call yourself this, this, kind of person of faith because that is at the crux of who jesus was about and what jesus teaching was was to take care of those less fortunate from them and i feel like so often 
the church has turned into a social club. And let's be honest, I don't care if your church is in uh, Chicago, New York, if your church is in, in uh, for someone who's watching Lexington, or if your church is in Nebraska, or if your church is in Texas, it doesn't matter if it's big town, small town, uh, suburbia, or whatever. You, we know as people of faith how we can take care of the widow, the orphan, and the poor. And so often we let the church building, the church leadership, the denomination take care of that for us. And my, I guess my kind of like rallying cry is, why can't we do it ourselves? Not saying that the church isn't needed, but like I said, the church isn't the building. It's not the pastors. The church is us. We're the, we're the human beings that like live and breathe and are part of it. Um, and the early church didn't have church. They didn't have all these massive temples. They met, they met in people's homes. They met out in fields. They, they met out by the, by the water, you know, wherever. And it wasn't like, you know, people back then was like, oh, we can't take care of the less fortunate because we're not in a temple. We're not in the church. They, they just went out and did it. So moving on from that part, I'll get a little riled up. But what happened, and I'm I'm not going to, we're all on different political spectrums, and that's fine. And I'm not here to to tell anybody how they voted or whatever is right or wrong. I, you know, that's in the past, whatever. But if you were not uh, angered, mad, pissed off, whatever you want to look at, of when these kids kids were in cages at the border, uh, when Trump had you know had this deportation thing, and I'm not just going to say Trump was the one who did that. Obama was bad at at um, kicking people out and deporting people and all this kind of stuff. But when you saw these pictures and videos, and when you had journalists and and photographers go down all across the border of Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, wherever, and you saw these kids in cages, and and you saw them, you saw, and I still, I can't get that out of my head, especially as, as having an almost four-year-old daughter myself, and, and putting myself in that situation as if a man and I got detained, and and we were over here, and then our kid was over some somewhere else, maybe in a different state, maybe in a different town, it riled me up and it riled a lot of people up. And I remember saying to Amanda one time, if this doesn't piss off any kind of any, anybody who's a person of faith, then I don't know what can't piss you off. And, and, and what kept popping into my head every time I saw that video, every time I saw these pictures was, isn't it funny how the scripture vehemently talks about taking care of the widow, the orphans, and the poor. But yet the church, and certain parts of the church, were extremely silent when all this was going on. And they might have brought up, oh, these people shouldn't have come over to to America illegally, or these these people shouldn't have, have, have came into our country we have a population problem and we you know we're over at like over capacity no vacancy left in america blah 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 
which all that is a pile of horse crap. I don't care what people say. America is a, a nation, a nation of immigrants. If you're not native, we're not from America. So my ancestors, my Norwegian ancestors, my German ancestors, my Hungarian ancestors, they came over to America. We were immigrants. So if someone, and we came over here to better ourselves, to better, to have religious freedom, to make more money, right? So if these people from Mexico or from Latin America, where a lot of them were actually from, not Mexicans, but from Latin America, if these people from Venezuela, Belize, Honduras, wherever, if they're trying to come over the border to better themselves, just like my white ancestors did, and then we're saying, whoa, 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 you can't come in here. And not only can you not come in here, but we're going to have these ICE agents take you, put you in cages, your kids in cages. We're going to put you in essence jail, and we're going to let you just sit there until all this stuff happens. That should be problematic, everyone. That should be problematic because as a Christian, that should just rile you. That should just make you mad. That should just make you angry. Because here are men and women, young boys and girls, created in the image of God, the Imagio Dei, sitting at a border, separated from their parents, separated in another different foreign country. And the church itself, some churches, yes, were loud and raised a stink, I know people in my own denomination, they went down to the border. They went and talked to, to these officials. So, yes, there are, there are churches that are doing it. So I'm not pinpointing all that out. But what I find really frustrating is there are a, were a lot of progressive denominations, a lot of evangelical conservative denominations who preach love, who preach inclusion, who preach scripture, what they say is scripture, and they were silent. They were silent when it came to these pictures, when it came to these things. And I will, like I said, I will put myself in there. I was silent. I mean, I verbally talked maybe to like Amanda about it or my mom or my friend Scotty and was like, oh, this is pissing me off. But what was I doing? What was, what was I doing to help these, to help these kids? And in essence, they were orphans. Yes, they had their mom and dad, but they were away from their parents. So yes, that signifies as an orphan. It doesn't mean that, that your parents are dead. It means that you're separated from your parents. You don't know where your parents are. That means you're an orphan. Taking care of the widow, the orphan, and the poor. These were orphans, everyone, at the border, and I'm going to get worked up and probably start crying because... I always, when I look at something like, look at something like this, I think of my own kid. I think of my nieces and my nephews on both sides of my family. And the church was silent. The church was silent when this crap was happening. And silence goes a long way to, to, to show people how well you think of something. When you're quiet, when you don't talk about something and you ignore it, you might ignore it because you're like, that's not my immediate family. That's not my close family and friends. Well, yeah, you know, whatever. But being part of a Christian, being part of a faith is everyone is your neighbor. Everyone is your family. 
And when you saw, like, my heart broke, my heart ached, if I had more vacation time or sick time at my work, I would have went down there. And, and yes, this current administration is trying to do stuff to, to, uh, rectify what's happened in these previous administrations. But I re- I was watching the news a couple weeks back and they said there are 500 kids that they can't, they can't find their parents. 500. 500 kids that they have no flipping idea where their parents are at. And that, that makes me weep. That makes me cry. As I said earlier, there's 24, 24 verses littered throughout the New Testament that talks about taking care of the widow, the orphan, and the poor. And so we know this, this repetition, we know this, everyone. We know that, we, we know what we need to do, and we're quiet and silent about it. I, I'm, I'm quiet and silent about it, and I'm mad at myself. So I, I don't want anybody to be like, oh, Brian's on his high horse, he's, he's saying this, he's saying that. No, that's not me at all. I fail at it, too. I'll say one other thing, a, a little separate from that. Um... I've told a lot of people my issues with me leaving the evangelical church world, you know, that fancy title, ex-evangelical, whatever. Um, and I, and I know there's people watching who are, who are evangelical and that's fine. That's great. And, and I have nothing against, uh, any of that. You know, if you, wherever you find Jesus, wherever you find spiritual connection, a community, you go to that. That's, that's, I'm not trying to be divisive at all. But another thing, and I thought of this years and years and years ago, the two big issues why I left evangelicalism was how they treated the queer community, the GLBTIQ+. I have family and friends who are queer, and I could not be part of a denomination that did not accept those people as the equal. I just couldn't. That was one. The second is their views on abortion. And I personally, uh, as I've said, if a man and I get pregnant again, well, she gets pregnant, but if we as are expecting another person, we're choosing pro-life. We're pro-life on that, uh, specifically for us. But I'm a pro-choice person because I'm a man. I don't have you know, a vagina. I don't have ovaries. I don't have an egg. I, I don't hold and incubate this baby. So how, therefore, can I go to a woman and tell her what she needs to do with her body? I can't. And I won't. I, I, I'll have my own theological convictions. I'll have my own spiritual interpretation or scripture interpretation, excuse me. But I, as a man, can't go to a woman and say, this is what you need to do. But one thing I remember saying this all the way back in college and in seminary, and I got some evil, evil looks, but I think it holds weight. When people say, oh, well, abortion is wrong, it's evil, it's this, it's that, you know, you're murdering a baby, whatever it may be. But I always said this, if the church truly, and I'm talking about church universal, from, and church universal is all denominations under the umbrella of Christianity. I was like, if all churches, and I'm talking about your small town church to your mega, mega church, like just think of Joel Olstein, for instance, 
who has whose church meets in a flipping arena. Okay, if we wanted to eradicate abortion, every single church, Christian school, whatever you want to call it, should or open in either an orphanage or an adoption center or something like that. If we really truly wanted to eradicate it like we say we do, we would do it. You know, people, I hear people all the time talking about, oh, you know, homelessness, homelessness, we need to end homelessness. Well, you know what, people, we can't, we can eradicate homelessness right, right now. We have money. We have more millionaires and billionaires in America that we could eradicate these things if we so choose to want to do it. I just think we don't want to do it. We don't want to eradicate it. We want to have these contentious back and forth arguments, whether within church or in the political elite or whatever. We have the resources. We have the, the, the human power to do it. But for some apparent reason, we don't. We don't do it. I don't, I don't know why. But I, and I look at my UCC church that I'm a part of. I look at the, some is a God church that I grew up in. We don't have orphanages. We don't have adoption centers. And I mean, yes, more progressive churches are going to probably be more pro-choice. So maybe this is more for the evangelical churches. If you, if you vote your conscience, if you vote politically and say, I'm going to vote for the candidate who is for um, pro-life, then why aren't you adopting? And I know, I know specifically there are some people who are watching that I know whose family has adopted, who has adopted family. And I can't tell you how immensely beautiful that is. I can't tell you how immensely, uh, I would get emotional because adoption is a beautiful, wonderful, amazing thing. My own sister-in-law is, is adopted and I'm so happy and proud to be her brother-in-law and to know that she is adopted and she belongs to a loving family. So adoption is a great and wonderful thing. We, we can, as the church, eradicate some of these horrific ills and, and evil things if we just stop playing politics, if we just stop putting, stop putting up these walls of, of saying, I can't do this, or I'm too old, I don't have enough money, that's not my, that's not why I go to church, or blah, 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 blah. Those are all excuses. I have them, you have them, we all have them. But, and I, I mean, like I said, I got so many looks over the years. I've actually, like, my, my UCC church, and I'm not trying to poo-poo on them, we have, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like, is Amanda, is it like a school? A childhood center. A childhood center. But that childhood center costs thousands of dollars a month. Yes, because it, we have to realize church is a business. And, but my, my, my contention is, why can't we, let's not make the money off of that, Let's turn that into an orphanage. Let's turn this into an adoption center. And someone just popped up the AG does have orphanages and they they might they might I'm not saying I'm not saying specifically 
certain churches or whatever don't have them. I'm saying, I'm not talking about, oh, it's a denominationally run orphanage. I'm talking about every flipping church. I don't care. I don't care if you're a small church and you're like, I have 60 people at it. Well, do something with your resources. So even if you can, even if, or you can house an orphan or you can, uh, give money into that community to, to have an orphanage or, or, or something that, that comes up. Um, so, and that's a good point there. I'm not, I'm not saying specifically a denomination should like just run one. I'm saying, and that's fine if they do. I'm sure, I mean, Catholics are very well known for, uh, running orphanages and, and running schools, not just universities or high schools, but, you know, stuff to help the kids in need. So I'm not, I'm not trying to say people within Christianity or faith don't do that. I'm saying, if we wanted to eradicate quote unquote uh you know abortion and, and all these things that the church should shut their mouth and and stop making excuses and saying oh well let's pay our pastor $130,000 yes you should pay your pastor a livable wage don't get me wrong listen i'm a pastor now doing this i don't get one red cent i have another job i have a full-time job so i don't need money to do this i do it because i i love what i'm doing i do it cuz i'm passionate I do it because I want to hopefully help scripture, these stories in the Bible come alive to you, to me, to anyone who listens. But I'm very, very worked up about it because it's something that I've always struggled with. Is I, if I started, like if I did a church plant and I want to be the pastor for Revolution for here, for Revolution Church, Minneapolis, or whatever, however this grows. But if we ever have a church building, if we ever have something that is our own property, whether through revolution or something else, I really, really want to try to find a way of how we can create an orphanage uh, or have an adoption center or something that we can do. Because everyone, the scripture tells us to do this, tells us to do this. One other story that just popped into my head, there was a classmate that I had um in college, and then we went to seminary together, and he's a, he's an Episcopal priest. And I know he probably doesn't watch this, but I'm very uh, moved by what he did. His name is Dave Mowers. Um, he's an Episcopal priest um, in the city of Baraboo, Wisconsin, which is, if I'm not mistaken, kind of by Wisconsin Dells, just maybe a little 45, and 45 minutes north, I think, of Madison. So it's in, like, kind of south-central Wisconsin. And Baraboo, from what I've looked it up, this it does not have it's not a huge population. There's certainly a number of thousands of people. And he realized that there was a homeless population in this city and in this town. And he was trying to do everything within his power to uh have a homeless shelter built. And he kept posting, you know, uh design plans. He was trying to raise money through not just his church, but through the community, like through, through community building. And they had to go to city council. They had to do all this stuff. And it was back and forth, back and forth. A lot of people in, in the town, even Christians in the town were like, we don't want this homeless shelter built here. We're, you know, God fearing people, but da, 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 da. And it, but Dave never gave up. This priest, this person that I didn't know never gave up, never gave up, fought, 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 fought for it. Got donations from the community, got donations from other churches, got donations from 
businesses got donations from the state or grants, and they're about to open this homeless shelter in in the town of Baraboo, Wisconsin. That's that to me, people, is what faith work is about. It, it it's it's, and I feel like so often we just look at like, oh, this happened to me in church, or this is why I hate church, or this is why you know uh, I'm deconstructing. I'm I'm this. I'm that. And I and I'll be the first one to tell you deconstructing. However, you've felt hurt by church or or whatever your faith journey is. I'm not trying to sit here and say that that's not valid because it is. But what I'm trying to say is how how can we even within our hurt on our own view of of church and however we view church, however we view um, God. At the end of the day, what it comes down to is when you open scripture and when you're hit time after time after time again of take care of your widow, your widows, your orphans, your poor. Because if you don't, don't even, don't even put, you know, it says religion, but don't even, if you can't do this, don't even utter those words of like, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. Because that's in essence is what it's saying, people. It's not saying like, oh, well, you should do this. It's literally saying like, if you call yourself a holy person, if you call yourself a follower of the way, if you call yourself a Christian, whatever whatever title you want to give yourself, but if you're not taking care in the best possible way you can of the widow, the orphan, and the poor, it's it's don't call yourself that. And I've gotten in hot water for a good chunk of my life when I've said this stuff. I'm like, don't yell at me by saying that. The scripture is saying that. And sometimes people get, when they lash out at me or they lash out at a family and be like, oh, you can't tell me this, da, 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 da. I'd be like, you're not yelling at me. Maybe you're getting convicted. Maybe you're getting uh, riled up. Maybe it's your subconscious or your own spirit saying, hey, I'm talking to you. Stop lashing out at these other people. Maybe you need to take, maybe you in your town, maybe you in your city, maybe you in your village, wherever, you need to say, how do I take care of the less fortunate? How do, how do I, how do I go about helping that old widow on the corner who lost her husband? Do, do I give her food? Do I go and say, can I mow your lawn? Can I take out your trash? Uh, are you behind on your mortgage? I have a couple hundred dollars. I could go for that. That's what it's take. That's what it's saying to take care of the widow, the you know the orphans. Whether as I said earlier, the, the the orphans at the border, or you know, and I've always said to Amanda, whether wherever we're at on this, I said I've always felt compelled, even as a young kid, all the way now to an adult at almost forty, of being like I feel like it would be amazing to adopt um my godson um is adopted and so adoption plays a huge role in my life in my personal life um and i i'm like and yes adoption in america costs an extremely high amount of money but it doesn't matter what money is it's that life that matters of, of taking that person out of abject poverty or maybe violence and and putting them into a loving home of individuals that's going to care and 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 love them 
I mean, I could go on, on and on, but um, I think this is probably a, a pretty decent point of of where to stop. But um, and I'll look at your questions. Amanda usually is looking at them, but apparently Ava needed some assistance in the other room. Um, and I did not mean this at all to sound judgmental. Uh, hang on. Um, I'll answer that question, Nancy, in a second. Um, and yeah, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not rough around the edges, uh, and I'm not perfect myself. Um, but we really, really, as Christians, as churches, as people of faith, we, all of us need to do a better job of taking care of the widow, the orphan, and the poor. And, we we know people like Mother Teresa. We know uh, certain denominations like the Catholic Church is very well known for having orphanages, for for having adoption centers, hospitals for crying. A lot of hospitals are run by uh, denominations or or, like, or the Catholic Church, whatever. And so I'm not trying to paint this picture of oh Brian's saying everyone's you know terrible and and wrong and bad and. Da, da, da. And I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying we shouldn't just let our churches do this. Churches should be the first and foremost feet in the sand doing this. But how do we as our individual selves, whether as a family, if you're a single person, just be like, how, how can I, as a Christian or as a person of faith, how can I be better? How can I do this? How can I take these scriptures like what we saw in James? How can I therefore help the widow, help the orphan, help the poor. And it's not an easy task. I know we're in a pandemic world right now. People have lost jobs. People have lost relationships. Money is tight. I'm not, I'm not naive to think that money is tight. Money is tight in our family. And I'm sure it's for all of you who are watching or listening. But we need to do a better job it's required of us to do a better job to do that. And we have to realize that every single person, that widow, that, that those orphan kids, orphaned adults, uh, kids in the cages, the homeless person that is down the street, the one that smells like alcohol, the one that's high out of their mind, they were all created into the image of God. And we need to let them know that they're fully accepted. I'm going to, we got some comments coming in. So if Amanda over there, if you can read them to me or come over there, just so I'm not dinking around with my stuff. Uh, Lexi. Hi, Lexi says, yes, I wholeheartedly agree that we forget to care for them. I tend to get disgusted by the lack of knowledge on the foster care system. That's where the unwanted children end up. The foster care system is a disaster. I was guilty of the lack of knowledge until my family started fostering while I was in high school. The things those children go through make me cry every time. We had children, un- we had kids under 10 who had seen more things than I want to know. And then your mom, Nancy. Good morning, Nancy. Hello. Said the AG does have orphanage- orphanages. Then she said, correction, according to Google, all mainline church orphanages went extinct in the 1980s, and all kids were put into foster care and then available for adoption. 
And then Lexi also put, to add to that, once in foster care and available to adopt, there is little to no cost. My siblings' adoption was free since they were adopted from foster care. Uh, thank you for those comments. And I actually saying that, and there is a huge difference between adoption and foster care, and that's on me for um, not bringing that up. Um, so I apologize for that. But uh, to Lexi, thank you for um, saying what you have said. And I know with your siblings um, that you've taken from the foster care system and, and it is, it is different. Um, like full, full. Uh, um, and th- sorry. Uh, thanks uh, Ray for the comments or for your comment. Um, but getting back Lexi to what you said is um, that, and that is a thing too. If people do want to adopt, um, we actually, there is a thing here, uh, uh, an organization in Minnesota, and I guess Minnesota is the only state that does it. It's called Early Childhood Family Education, so ECFE. And it's just, it, it's a place where all all uh, public schools will do it, where they'll have like, and they can have it in the day or at night, and it's free of free of cost, really, or minimal cost. All that being said was there is a time where the kids and the adults are together and then um, the kids play with the teachers, and then there's an educator that teaches the the parents on um, parenting tips, whatever. And there there was a a dad in there who his name was Charlie, and I got to get together with him. But with the pandemic, it's messed up. But um, all of their all of their kids are uh, adopted through the foster care system, and they said that they really wanted to adopt but adoption costs through i mean i i know someone who i went to college who had adopted a child from china and it cost them over thirty thousand dollars that's a lot of money that's a chunk of change but this person said so instance if amanda and i want to adopt a child in our own community if we just went through an adoption agency it would cost an astronomical amount. And Lexi, if you're still watching, let me know. But it sounds like if I went through the foster care system within my own county, um, it might be uh, as not of a, uh, it's still going to cost money, but might not be as high as a cost of, of adoption. Um, so, you know, people there, there is, there is um, ways to do this. There's ways as the church to do this. If money was no option, um, yeah, and no, yeah, no, Lexi, no critique, no, no. I don't think anyone's thinking that you're critiquing, and you're very just passionate about foster care um, and abortion and things like that. I don't know if you meant abortion or adoption, um, but yeah, and and to my mom who's watching. Um, according to Google, all mainline churches and orphanages were um went extinct in the 80s and thank you mom for bringing that point up i i find that sad i find that extremely troubling um i don't know why that happened i don't know why a lot of these orphanages um went went on you know went away um you know you always see movies or 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 TV shows where orphanages are these terrible, evil places, I don't know. But I think is that churches and denominations have had these for 
hundreds of years and then all of a sudden in the 1980s, so not even 40 years ago, all of these went away. It's, it's, I'm kind of, I'm, a, I'm kind of at a loss for words at, at why that is. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to um, point the finger at anyone, at any denomination, at any church. That, that, and anybody who knows me knows that that's not me. That's not my MO. But what I'm trying to say is the Bible, the scripture, this holy book that people who are Christians read, if it says to do something, and it says it multiple times over and over throughout there, that means we need to do it. Some of us are doing it. Some of us aren't doing it. We can do a better job. My whole point is is we all need to do better to take care of the widow, the orphan, and the poor. And um, I, I can maybe put up links to this, but if you feel so moved and desire to start looking at uh, adoption, um, you know, look at your state, or look, or if you're not from America, look at what your country or wherever you live at at what you can do. If you know someone who's like, "Hey, I'm thinking about you, you know adopting or foster, you know fostering these these kids," um, then then look into that. This is this is a, a huge thing. Lexi has abortion. Can you read that, Amanda? Because my Abortion meaning demanding these children being born and to stop caring after, not passion. Okay. Abortion meaning demanding these children being born and to stop caring after, not passion, I suppose, but I am pro-choice until the fix what is happening to the children already here on earth already. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I always tell people, um, Christians who call themselves pro-life aren't really pro-life. They're pro-birth. Um, and people were like, oh, that's just a semantics game. I said, no, that's literally logically what it is. Because if, and that's another whole thing, I could be another whole talk. Um, if you say you're pro-life, that means you, you want that kid to be born from infancy and life means their whole life. You know, it doesn't mean until they're out of the womb and, and, you know, now they're here in the world. Cause that's that when you say, pro pro life you're literally saying from when they're at least zero until they're an adult and can function on their own but in reality most christians who say that they're pro life are nothing more than just pro birthers who are like we want this child to be born no matter the cost no matter what but we're not going to step up and raise them or pay for whatever diapers or food or formula so that's another whole whole thing and we're pretty much at the hour mark, which I like to try to keep these talks and comments under an hour. Um, as I said, feel free to, um, feel free to reach out, you know, throughout the week, later today, throughout the week. Um, and, uh, as I've said, I always look at those. I always look at the comments. I always read them. Um, if you really like what we say, um, not just, you know, share this talk, but we would love, absolutely love if you shared it on your Facebook page, your social medias. That's how these things grow. I'm, I mean, I'm taking over from Jay and Caleb as they moved to Seattle. Um, but you know, we obviously have a lot of 
crossover with people who watch, but also we're, you know, paving our own path in a way. But um, it really helps with, you know, liking our posts on Facebook, liking our posts on Instagram and our other socials that we do. Um, and um, so, yeah, just if it, it takes after this is uploaded, it takes a minute or two. Just if you like like what we're saying, but just post it on your Facebook. That's how we grow. That's how we get the likes. And uh, it's not always about the likes, but it just helps this little church called Revolution Church Minneapolis grow and and you know that's all that that's all I can say is just uh, keep supporting us word of mouth is huge um i always keep getting little things of this person's following you now or uh, or this organization's following you now and it's it's humbling it's great but just those little by little things really go a long way uh with with networking and liking or sharing on your page so um have a great rest of your sunday um watch the super bowl if you can i know when this comes out on the podcast people are gonna be like brian that was a year or a week ago stay warm stay safe uh continue these conversations within your own family and your own community and uh stay safe for everyone much love bye We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.